Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. (laughs) You know, it's better when there's multiple papa tops going. Uh Derek's having his coffee, so he wouldn't have a monster with me. Uh, I don't think my heart could take a monster. Yeah, we didn't want his heart to explode. <laughs> okay, welcome to uh, one of, a unique episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast because not just my guest, who's epic, but the location and that we're in person. Most, if not, geez, I can't even remember the last in-person podcast I've rolled. Um most of them are not in person and a lot of them lately are just solo. Cause you know, it, I only like to hear from so many people I've found in the hunting industry. Some podcasts are very good about branching out and just, they seem like they have everyone and everybody on. Right. And I'm kind of more like I've gone through my Rolodex of, <laughs> of like, you know, someone that I, at least I would find interesting and, and not that it's not that they're not interesting. I just maybe don't have anything in common with them or something, but I need to be better about branching out and getting people that I don't talk to normally, yeah. you know, on the podcast. But anyway, um, epic setting here. So I'm with, um, the local legend and. <laughs> Don't swell me up too much. I'm going to. Because we're good enough friends. But no, I'm here with Derek Henderson. And uh, to set the mood here before he introduces himself, I'm in his man cave downstairs. And um, it's covered, not covered, but pretty well covered. Uh, It's actually a perfect recording studio because it's got, you've got bear hides and uh, mountain lion on the floor and and it's like kind of a noise break and there's no echoing in here. It's perfect. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the suspended ceiling, I'm sure absorbs some stuff. And, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm just going to rent this out as my studio. For <laughs> right. Yeah. Come on over. <laughs> but Derek, introduce yourself on the podcast. Well, I mean, how do I introduce myself? Right. Like I like chasing bears and mule deer, um, like public land hunting and chasing them fair chase. So, uh, yeah, my passion's mule deer, spot and stock. Every once in a while, I get carried away and get sidetracked on a white tail if one pops up on a trail camera, but mostly it's mule deer and black bear. And elk, right? You got sidetracked. You, uh, right? I, get, I get sidetracked every now and then on elk, but uh, usually it's like I've had two really good quality bull tags, and I haven't even went a full day, shot the first six point <laughs> with my bow, and been back to deer hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, if somebody that I commit to helping is, um, has a good bull tag, I'll spend some time with them, helping them. And that's another thing I like to do is help new hunters, get them into the sport, help them see why we target the, not necessarily the biggest, but the most mature animals we can find. 
Um, I'm a big advocate on that. Like not not just going out and whacking the first buck you see. Like find a mature deer and then hunt it. Yeah. But you grew up here, Wyoming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't take too much to figure out where we're at, but <laughs> we'll keep that uh <laughs> we'll keep that on the DL. The the state of Wyoming. Right. Yeah. The state of Wyoming. Well but we're we're not in a area that typically is known for big animals, so that's all right. Yeah. You know the thing that's nice about mule deer is they can adapt and live anywhere and they do and anywhere in the state and there's big ones and there's if there's bucks there, there's usually gonna be a big one. They're smart, they figure it out, they end up learning how to live long as long as seems like as long as we don't do something stupid and overhunt them most of the time they figure out how to grow up and one or two sneak by and there's always a big one yep you seem to be the king of that um no no bs like you just seem to find diamonds in rough places yeah so to speak it's kind of your mo it feels like yeah you know and i've uh i mean i'll somebody asked me where i'm hunting i'll flat out tell them and they'll literally say well i was i was there and i said i know i watched you walk by deer you know he, <laughs> that was that was me i was that guy <laughs> happened this year <laughs> but like i i find a high spot and start glass and picking the country apart you know and it's like i've found more deer between 10 and 2 while everybody else is in town having lunch than i do at twilight and yeah the golden hour yeah, it's crazy how the principles, regardless of where you're at, the principles stay pretty much the same. You know, there's guys in the high country that, um, and I, I just, I know that you're not typically backpacked in 20 miles in the, mm-hmm. you know, 12,000 feet like I am. Um, but the principle's the same. You know, there's guys that go back to camp, and sometimes I'm that guy, and sometimes I'm the guy that sits out there all day in glasses. And, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, that, that patience just about the time you think that, what the heck am I doing, man? Like I should be in town having a burger. Right. Like that's when you find them a lot of times, but. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and it's like that buck I killed this year. There was, so no lie. I glassed him up from the truck. He was in a spot where there was, there was no roads to where he was, but there was roads all around him. And there was five rigs, including myself that were parked there. And depending on where the terrain is, whether I sit at the bottom and glass up or go to the top and glass down, depending on how the layout of the terrain is. And me and dad were at the bottom and we, we stopped, we opened the gate and we we're just kind of glassing. And, um, it's like, well, we're a little late, so let's just find a good spot here and pick this apart. And I mean, I'd only been glassing for a couple minutes and I was, I was glassing about three miles off and the ridge at about a mile, I just saw a deer walk through the bottom of the my objective and i'm like uh that that buck had mass bladed tines and and good forks we got to go and that's all i saw and it was about that fast well there was a truck that i didn't even hear because the wind was blowing like 30 miles an hour that morning that pulled up right behind us never even seen him so we go over to where i last seen him and uh so you turn back (laughs) you'd already seen the deer and then you turn back and the guys are there yeah yeah and we BS'd with them for a second and trying to figure out if they knew. No, I didn't say anything. I just said, Oh, what are, how, how are you guys doing this morning? You know, like, ah, we haven't seen anything. So I'm going to just take a little walk, you know? Oh, cool. If you're going to walk in there, we're going to go up top. And I mean, the whole time that we're following this buck's tracks, 
um, I can see Riggs looking down at us this whole time. And it was, I guess you want to just tell, talk about that story. Like, I do. Keep it, going. So, so uh, yeah. Anyway, so dad and I are, we get over there and I didn't want to necessarily drop into the canyon that he went into. You know, I figured we could just kind of skirt it and stay above it and just work it. Well, we got up towards the head of it where we were only like, I don't know, maybe half a mile from those trucks that were parked up top. And it's like, I don't think he's in here. We haven't cut any tracks or anything. So we dropped back down, went to the last spot we seen him, and then I started tracking him. By now it's 10, 10.30 in the morning, so it's, he's definitely bedded. And we ended up following him and the does he was with for probably close to two miles across that big flat and in and out of all the draws. And, um, I mean, they were just beelining. I don't know if they saw the trucks or what, but they were headed out. He's following does. Yep. Yeah. And so they were headed out, and um, I just got this weird feeling that, you know, like, we're getting close, and I, I took my gun off my shoulder off the backpack, and I um took scope cover off and all that, you know, and put one in, and Dad's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, these doe tracks, they're, they're wandering, right? They're looking for a spot to bed. And so it took us probably another 30 minutes to cover like the next 300 yards. Snow on the ground? Nope. This no. is just dry dirt. And um, and so we get up there and we come over this next little ridge and you, like it just screamed bedding, you know. And um, I'm like, they're in here. Like, get ready. And so we're watching it and follow it down to the bottom of this draw. And I see the doe tracks are going left and the buck track jumped across the the washout and it's i mean it's like a 10 foot deep washout and it's straight and that buck track jumped across and then jumped down in it and i'm like son, son he's underneath us <laughs> you know and so i'm like just edging up to it you know and all of a sudden i mean everything just goes blowing out and there is deer scattering everywhere and we're i mean we were in the middle of them and so I'm like frantically trying to find him and the buck comes blowing out and he runs around like this, this tit sticking up. And I mean, he is hard facing, just running full out. And I just pulled up and shot, you know, good thing about being a bird hunter is you can pull up and shoot fast. Right. <laughs> and you can see it. Like I will show you pictures of it, but you can see where I literally from his, from about his hind quarter all the way into where it hit him behind the shoulder, shaved hair off. Mm. He so literally was... run right into the bullet. Mm. And um, anyway, so we go running up there, and I told Dad, I said, I know I hit him. And keep in mind, side note, I just know this. Derek shoots a 30 nozzler with a – I was, oh, I was shooting the 6.5. Really? Yeah, I was shooting the 6.5, 284. I was about to just do a whole sales pitch <laughs> on when you actually would want a 30 cal on a deer, and I, stay, I sit here corrected. Keep going. You're shooting a 6.5. So. Wow. It wasn't yeah. a Creedmoor, right? You said no, no. You... It's a two eighty four. Sure, it's a LR one thousand. Yeah, gentleman's cartridge. Yep, yep. So <laughs> I love the six five two eighty four. It's probably my favorite. Uh, it's just such a sweet shooting gun. I'll have one someday. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just the LR one thousand. Okay. It's, but shooting uh, was it the one forty? One forty threes. One forty three ELDX. Yep. Okay. yep. And uh, anyway, so it it zips right into him. And it's probably a good thing that I was shooting that gun because the 30 nozzler is not as fast, right? Mm. So I might have missed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we go running up there. And keep in mind, this is only like a 50-yard shot maybe. Like, it is not a far shot. And um, go up there, and, I mean, he's standing there and blood just pouring out of his mouth and everything. And 
I shot him again and put him down. We uh, we walk over there, and I, I told Dad, I was like, I still don't know how big this deer is. Like, <laughs> all I saw was the frame running around, and I mean, he's deep fork, 26-inch mains, like, just beautiful, right? And now it's, like, setting in, like, you just killed a giant on a public land, like, over-the-counter, one of the easiest tags in the state to draw where I don't even know what the harvest success is in that because it's— Well, regardless of what it is— harvest on bucks like that or yeah you know it's probably one percent yeah you know even if it's 80 yeah. percent success those yeah are two points and three points right and so um anyway we're kind of celebrating a little bit you know and and uh i'm like talking to my dad and we're just kind of standing there taking it in and dad's like that's a different buck track and i'm looking at it i'm like that is a different buck track and so that, now there's another big buck track in the same bedding area, you know, and it's like, well, that's what let us start looking for dads. Mm. So anyway, he, uh, that you killed later, right? Not yeah. that same day, but just, yep. you just knew it was in the same area. Yeah. We, we, uh, we went back out and we did pick up another big mature buck in there, but you know, he was, he was trashy. He wasn't, he wasn't something my dad was going to kill. My dad's one of those guys that unless the deer makes him, <gasps> yeah, he ain't gonna shoot him. Yeah, he's and, done it long enough. Yeah, and he's killed some big deer. So he uh he didn't want that deer, so we went to another area and found the buck that he he ended up killing, but um but, how big how big was yours again? Uh it's that one right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh I think he was eighty something. So that's what I thought too. And but I think he's one seventy nine. Yeah. So I mean he's got good main beams. He's just solid. He's solid. Yeah. Right, but and none of my scores are official, right? It's like <laughs> I could care less. Well, listen. So speaking of that, <laughs> my Colorado buck from two years ago, right? Uh huh. Shot the thing. Me and Corey are on the mountain. Don't have a clue. We're like, well, he's the joke was he's over one eighty. Right? Uh-huh. Like we knew he's over one eighty. Get him home. <clears throat> taped him. I've taped probably hundreds of deer at this point in my life, so I'm not. I know what I'm doing, right? Maybe I miscalculated a score, but we did it online, I think, right? So it's like, it's hard. You can't screw that up, right? Yeah. And I wrote a whole story, got in Epic Outdoors about him being 199 inch deer and, you know, an eighth or seven eighths or something uh-huh. like that. And I would have bet my life on it, right? Well, he was at the taxidermist for two years. That's a whole nother story. Okay. Um, finally getting back. And I'm like, just curious, like, oh, I'm just going to double check those numbers, you know, taped him tight, everything. And, and he was velvet. So I don't know if there's a, that much shrinkage, but he comes out at like 193 or 194. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, where did I? I yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't feel bad for you, right? Like 193 <laughs> inch deer. Like, well, yeah. I'm sorry, he lost six inches, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But the point, <laughs> the point is, Derek, <laughs> was, yeah, we're on official scores around here. It depends but, on the day. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow you might be 190. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends what, which tape I use to measure him, you know, yeah. but I'll bring you my 199 tape. That's the one you want. That's the one I need, yeah. you know, and It'll bump him to 187. But you know, that takes me back to like finding the oldest, most mature animal, you know, it's like, yeah, it was a snapshot. I didn't know. 
more than just a glimpse. But it's like if you're watching animals, you can pretty much make an assessment on the fly if that's a mature buck. And just the little bits and pieces I had actually seen of him, it's like, yeah, this is this is a big deer. And so I took him in to the warden because it's a CWD area. And um, we haven't got the tooth or the teeth back yet, but he's thinking it was probably the oldest buck harvested this year in that area. He's starting to get that kind of, you know, he's he's obviously got mass down at the base, but he's kind of starting to get that, like, I don't know, they get that willowy, or not willowy, but that, like, maybe that's just his genetics, but. Yeah, the wavy. The wavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever that is, old bucks seem to have that. I don't know why, but. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we killed one. Uh, Jackie actually shot that one. It was, uh, and he was 10 and a half. Jeez. And have you ever seen that buck? Mm-mm. He's got four inch forks all <laughs> the way around, big old kicker, and uh, he's like six inches at the base. But he's no forks or nothing like that. But he, that deer, the body on that deer, it's one of the biggest body deer I've ever walked up to. Like it was everything we could do to roll him over. Mm. And you know, in the pictures, like you, you look at that, and it, the body of that deer just dwarfs her. And it's, you know, 190 whatever deer are cool, but I almost would rather nowadays, the the more I do this, I would almost rather kill the 10 and a half right inch or 10 and a half year old, you know, 170 regressed, like yeah. that, that deer. Yeah. So last year was the first year in my entire life that I haven't filled a general deer tag. Mm. And there was a buck that I should have just went after, but I didn't. Um, we were moose hunting and he was, I think I sent you pictures of that buck and he was like, he, he's honestly like as thick as your monster can. And he was just a three point and he was probably like 18 inches wide. Mm. But I mean, this deer, like you just looked at him and you're like, I wonder how old that deer yeah. is. Cause I mean, he just like, he looked like he needed a cane, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I looked all over for him in that area this year. Cause we had another moose tag up there. And I never could turn him up again. I'll bet he died on the winter range. Yeah. But I should have went after that deer. Yeah. But I'd have definitely stuck him with bow. You mentioned um, trophy hunting and why that's kind of important to you or why it should be important to people. I'm just curious, like, expand on that and then we can chat. Um, So I guess I shouldn't say trophy, but selective harvest, right? Yeah. So... I feel like we we as hunters kind of owe it. If if you're not if you're just getting into it, go out and get some experience. Go out and hunt, have a good time and everything. But don't kill something just to fuel your ego. Like that if you're hunting to fuel your ego, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Um it's but that's each to his own. I uh for me, it's all about finding the old deer. And if I'm lucky, they're big. Um, that That's what I'm talking about. Not necessarily trophy hunting, but selective. Uh, same for bears, same for antelope, everything. You know, it's like find a big buck and target him. Yeah, when I um, – so I was, hunt, I was bow hunting last year on the, on the general deer hunt, and we spotted a little black bear. And um, I had my bow, and so, you know – 
my standards I'll say are lower if I'm going to spot and stock a bear. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not looking for, you know, I didn't, I've never even killed a bear, right? And that's the punchline here is I've never killed a bear. And so I was, um, you know, we, we spotted him from a mile away. I get all the way, we get all the way around there. He ended up winding us and, and peeling out of there. Um, but we, we come up on, once we got real close to him, we realized just how young he was. He was whatever the youngest, you know, yeah. little mature bear you could get, right? A yeah. year and a half or whatever that yeah. means, right? Maybe, I don't know, six, six month bear would be with his mom still, right? Oh, yeah. It'd be that following. Yeah, he'd yeah. be two years generally is when they kick him off. Yeah, yeah. So he he was whatever that was, right? He uh-huh. was young. And at first, when my buddy Sam was like, dude, that, you know, he knows bears a lot better than I do. And so he's like, that's a young bear. You know, and I, I was like, I don't care. I've never killed a bear. I've got to get this done. I'm going to go kill that son of a bee. Like, and, and, you know, and, and I didn't, and he blew out and, and I, but I came to my senses, you know, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like that's not a bear I want to kill. Right. right. But it's, it, it's kind of what you're talking about. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. as for a moment there, it was like, screw it. My ego needs this. My Instagram feed needs this. Yeah. I've been hunting bears for 10 years almost between various tags and hardcore up here in Wyoming for two or three years, yeah. you know, like dedicated. I'm going bear hunting. Uh, yeah. I mean, one time we did find a big bear. Yeah. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> That's a whole other story. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. And so, yeah, it's there. I've thought a lot about this, um, the trophy hunting, selective hunting thing that you're talking about. And you said something very critical that everyone has to keep in mind when we talk about this is to each their own, mm-hmm. first of all, right? Yeah. Like if you're a 12 year old getting into it, yeah, do whatever, right? Shoot. If, the, if you're a 45 year old, just getting, getting into, into it. it. Shoot, like, shoot, whatever. Yeah. If you are my buddy Chris from work who, literally doesn't give two craps about the size of the antlers. He's the one of the first, if not the only true meat hunter I've ever yeah. <laughs> actually ran into. Right. Yeah. Cause all the other guys who say they're meat hunters, if you've ever at any point passed, mm-hmm. whether it was at the same time simultaneously or, <laughs> different times right maybe first day of the hunt you're like oh i'm not going to shoot that on the first day and then the last day you tip that same thing over yep or there's two deer standing by each other and the ones let's say the one's a closer easier shot and the other one's a or whatever right if you've ever selectively passed on a buck that was legal you're a trophy hunter exactly yep like prove me wrong yeah right and so the point becomes what is your North star, right. And, and yep. having your reasons and it not being about anything other than where you're at in the journey. Yep. I guess. Yep. Exactly. Um, furthermore, I've, I've also gone to the conclusion that I think, um, and I, I haven't thought this out on a podcast yet. So this, this, we may just be thinking this through on the spot, but like, I'm not so sure that trophy hunting isn't better let's call it trophy hunting for a second where Mm -hmm. you're after just the biggest, most mature animal you can find. I'm not sure it's not better for the sport. Right. We're. Oh, I agree. I'm I'm agreeing with you on this. What are your reasons? Cause I I'm curious, like really. 
So one buck can cover how many does, you know, if you take that, the biggest buck out of there, there's still another, say you take a six-year-old buck out of the herd. It's just theoretically say a hundred deer, right? And two of those are five and a half plus year old deer. 10 of them are under five and a half. The under five and a half year old bucks that are still small are still going to cover those does, right? If you take those older bucks out, okay, well, there's still a bunch of smaller bucks that can cover those does. Um, if you're, if you're just going out and shooting a deer and now all of a sudden it only takes 10 of those guys to wipe out those 10 bucks, and those two, two big mature bucks can't cover all the does, right? right. So that's where I'm getting or thinking about it. Okay. I like that. And then the way the, the angle I've thought too, is, um, we're in an absolute mess across the West as far as tag availability. Yep. You're seeing what we knew 10 years ago. We all saw this coming, right? We used to always say, Oh, the over counters are going to go away. Well, guess what? The day's here over the counter tags are gone. Yep. They're going away. And the very, very few that are still hanging on, like, if we even want to call Idaho's over the counter and over the counter, it's a fiat. Have you ever gotten on that? I avoid it because I am not <laughs> going to sit on the computer all day. And that's it, right? Is it's a fiasco. It's just a, you know, it might as well be a draw because it's the luck of where you get in the system. You mm -hmm. know, if you're, you know, 5,000th in line or 55,000th in line. Oh, surprise. You know, that's, that's a hidden bonus point system is all that is. Yeah. Like that's just a hidden random draw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we're in this absolute squeeze across the West to try to figure out, you know, I go sit in these sheep meetings and the, the sheep is an, a, a magnified example of this because there's 10 X more hunters that want to hunt sheep. And there's, you know, 10 times less sheep than there are deer or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so it's a really good example, but you know, they sit in these meetings and they always say, well, the only real solution to this problem uh, is putting more sheep on the mountain, right? Well, they all understand, like we all understand they're only doing, they can only do so much of that. And so with, but back to mule deer, um, you know, yeah, putting more mule deer on the mountain is obviously better, but also, um, you know, if so many guys weren't filling their tags every year, then they could afford to, you know, it's kind of this conundrum where if the percentages went down, we could issue more tags but everyone has to kill their deer every year, right? Like right. everyone can't, like you're saying, like they can't not. There's yeah. oh, three point on the last day, kaboom, right? Yep. And you think that has no effect on anything. But if that wasn't what you really went for, right? Yep. The Again, the first fork in the road is do whatever's your North Star, period. If it's a three point, shoot it. First day, last day, I don't care. Yeah. But once you've made that decision... Right. If I, if you're a guy like me, who's knows deep down, like I don't need, let alone, I don't even want to be shooting another freaking three point. Like mm -hmm. that's just work at this point in my life. I don't want to pack out a stupid three point. Right. Yeah. Um, and I accidentally do that on the last day. All I'm doing is just one more tick mark of a tag that, you know, that the percentages have gone up and now the state can only issue so many tags because the, the kill percentage, right? Yeah. It's the same principle down in like states like New Mexico and Utah right now that they're, they're, uh, limiting the muzzleloader site. You know, they're yeah. pulling the scopes back off muzzleloaders. Why are they doing that? 
it's not nostalgia or anything like that. It's because they want the success rates to drop so that they can justify issuing more tags, right? Yep. So that was the other thing. I really like yours, um, your your point of, um, you know, the the bio, the biological side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then just the flat out issuing tags too. I mean, yep. we've got, like, we're, I'm almost building this argument in my head. And I'm, I'm thinking about writing this article of like, trophy hunting is actually saving hunting yeah and i'm gonna send it to matt ranella <laughs> just kidding he's i don't think he's necessarily against trophy hunting he's he's more of the social media aspect or whatever but i'm gonna send it to all these guys who you know the they crap on even within the hunting industry that crap on the trophy or the selective yeah hunting conversation but yeah and i think it's important especially you know like to sustain what we have um and don't get me wrong, uh, a kid, a new guy, or you're putting food on the table, but that's the other thing. Like, if you're out there putting food on the table, there's a lot of dry does. Go kill a cow elk. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and the amount of doe tags and, and cow elk tags that we can get, especially as Wyoming residents, or even non-residents of the state of Wyoming, is is absolutely insane. If yeah. you, yeah. It, it, I mean, I've helped probably... <laughs> A hundred plus people kill cows. Like, yeah. I mean, it to me, like elk to me are not to be degrading to them, but it's like mountain carp, right? <laughs> like when somebody's like, will you help me with a cow elk? I'm like, no, but we'll go kill one. <laughs> you know, like, will you help me go find one? No, but we'll go help you go kill one. Because it's just like they're at least in our area. And maybe it's just because I spend enough time out there whether it be out bird hunting out, just driving around looking for arrowheads, whatever, you know, uh, they're always in the, the same spots. Like, it's like, watch this spot, spot, look into that pocket, and just don't move, and you'll find them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, my cow tags, like, I almost, I don't even go look for them. I, I go out bird hunting, and if one's in a random spot, I'll shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a very firm rule that I don't pack cows. <laughs> if I can't load them whole in the truck, I don't shoot them. Because <laughs> our season runs from September to the end of November, even into December. So it's like, at some point, there's going to be one that's like, I can get it whole, and I'm going to get She's gonna every ounce up. of meat off of that animal. You yeah. know, like, I'm not going to quarter it. But this year was, was a little different. Like, I don't know what got into me. And I was helping my buddy and his wife, or I wasn't really helping. I was just with him. Cause he's a really good hunter too. And, um, we were just up elk hunting one day and, and he's like, let's get Lexi a bowl. So we go into this little pocket and it's about a mile from the highway, you know, not too far. And it's real foggy, right? Well, she drops the biggest bowl in the herd, which was a nice little five point, nothing special. And, uh, but it was her like second or third bull and the herd just stands there mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> hand me the gun. <laughs> so I capped a cow, but you know, it's like Austin and I, we just, she, the first trip she, she carried the head and the loins of the bull out. And then Austin and I went back in and got the cow and it's like two trips. They were out and we got a bunch of meat off of them and. You know, it's like, I felt good about it, but it's like, eh, I could have waited and shot one next to the road and <laughs> had a whole one in the freezer instead of a bunch of quarters, you know? 
I um, got duped this year into, I say duped, I knew exactly what was going on, but um, Chris from work mm -hmm. shot a cow and on a weekend or something, hey, can you come help me pack this thing out? And I'm like, pack what out? Oh, this cow elk, where is she? She's like two, you know, he's kind of mumbling it. She's like two and a half miles. I'm like, two and a half miles? What the heck were you doing with a cow tag? Two and a half miles pissed. I was just like, you I'm like, ah. then, I, then I calmed down. I'm like, yes, I will go help you pack your cow out. Before we left the truck, I said, just so you know, in my head, we're going to get a 360 bull. Okay. So just don't ruin that for me. So, okay. He's like, you want me to make you real mad? What? I shot her with a 6.5 Creedmoor. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'll it. never help you again, like, Chris. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I I don't love 6.5 Creedmoors. Um, and I think it's just because they're, like, when I hear 6.5 Creedmoor, I think of a man bun. <laughs> and, like, but if, if it's, like, a kid shooting it or a lady or something like that, I'm like, I can get on board with this. But. I just like any time that I hear like like if somebody your size or even my size was like yeah I shoot a six five Creedmoor I'm like uh, <laughs> <Why>? questionable <laughs> like I don't know that we're gonna get along <laughs> well and the only logical reason to have a Creedmoor if you're a full grown man is if you're if it's a like a bench gun or you just like to shoot you yeah. know. And if I, you know, and I'm not, I'm really not someone who likes to just send rounds down range, but if I got into that or was, it would probably be a Creedmoor. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a gun at work, long, long, crazy story. But, um, when I first started there at work, we used to do these, um, ballistic packages where a guy could send in any random gun. We definitely don't, we don't have the bandwidth, you know, with how busy we are anymore to, we don't even allow this. Um, but a guy could send in any random gun. And especially if they just bought a scope from us that we carried, we would mount it. And I was new and didn't know what questions to ask exactly. So this, this old guy calls in and says, yeah, I've got this, um, uh, I think it's a Browning. Is it a Browning? Yeah, it's a Browning 6.5 Creedmoor. And, you know, I'm professional. So I said, okay, you know, uh, perfect. Thinking in my head, it was a Browning Abold or whatever, right? It was some, just a lever or a bolt action. This thing shows up and it is a single shot <laughs> Browning um, high wall type, you know, where the, the back wall comes down and you slide the Quigley style, you slide the. <laughs> I think I actually remember this because at that point, I think I was still shooting. Yeah, yeah, it might have. This would have been like three and a half, four years ago. Yeah, and right. so this thing comes in and octagon barrel woodstock, yep. <laughs> single shot like lever back wall deal, and I'm like Mike, Mike at the time, he just come into my office and was like, "Did you approve this? <laughs> like, what? What is that? This is this gun? Anyway, it took us. I mean, we couldn't. He want and and the best part was he wanted our um the Revic smart scope. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> put on sing anyway so needless to say i mean we couldn't even find the right ring set up that would fit that side of the scope and the whole deal and um the guy the guy passed away we had it like six or eight months trying to work on this thing and in the meantime the guy the dude died 
and we can't find his wife. Like either she passed away shortly after or she up and left, like went to California, which is like makes it everything 10 times harder, mm -hmm. right? To tran And so it's like, well, the gun technically came in anyway. The gun is still there at the shop and we can't get a hold of her. I, I literally wrote her a letter to the last known address that we had for where she moved, hoping that like we can get this thing all worked out. But I'm going to offer to buy it from her is what I'm trying to, I'm, you know, to this point, yeah. like I'm just going to get a hold of her and, and hopefully she'll let me just buy it because of the irony of that being a six, five Creedmoor and yeah. this like octagon barrel old school looks like, you know, settled the West, <laughs> yeah. it's, but it's a Creedmoor. I'm going to announce it on here to everyone. Like, Hey, I, uh, I got my first Creedmoor and, uh, everyone's going to flip their lid and then I'm going to say, yeah, here it is. <laughs> what? That's not a Creedmoor. Anyway. So one of the, one of the funniest or coincidentals or whatever you want to say is say it was, we, uh, I was shooting this gun and every time I'd shoot it, it was a Browning and it had that Dura, um, like that real tacky stock, tacky. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um. I would like, like, what is that smell with this rifle? And it was just like an odd smell. Well, then we were at sheep show one year and this guy comes up to the, to the booth and I'm talking to him and he introduced himself and I'm like, I know your name. Why do I know your name? And, uh, and then it hit me. It's like, your gun, it smells different. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And I said, it just has this weird odor to it. And he goes, the browning and i said yeah and he goes that stock absorbed the cedar smell from my gun cabinet really yeah and that's what it was huh but yeah every time i'd put my head down on it i'm like <laughs> like like bad different or just no I mean, it just, wasn't it wasn't like a foul smell it was just different like something. why does this gun smell off whatever they used in that weird foam had a was pulling that moisture or that uh smell yeah, and anyway, that it that stock just like absorbed that odor, but it was like it was almost like a cedar, like a a cedar smell after he said that, and I'm like, that's what it was. Hmm. But yeah, uh, it was really odd though. It's like, why do I know your name? And then all of a sudden, it registered that you had a funny smelling gun. <laughs> You're the guy with the weird gun. <laughs> You're the guy with the funny smelling gun. Don't smell natural. <laughs> I finally just got my first gun safe over christmas that was my big christmas present and uh yeah never had a gun safe before and i started doing the math you know adding up around the house how many you know five ten thousand dollar guns are just yeah. laying around my house like right. jen it's it's a, probably a good investment at this point yeah well i can tell you what that down down those stairs was real fun oh yeah how the heck did you guys do that <laughs> did you notice all the chipped concrete at the bottom <laughs> strap broke so i pulled the I pulled my side-by-side -side up to the door and hooked the winch to it and was winching it down. and uh, Which would have worked fine. It was. It was working great right up to the point the snap or the strap <laughs> broke. And then, like, so there was just, like, the Can-Am is, like, all the way, you know, it's pushing down and pulling down and, and everything's going. It's real smooth. And then all of a sudden it pops up and the safe's gone. I'm like, uh oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like one of those you know all across wyoming i feel like these cook like i even own one that i rent out up in uh nearby and uh 
Yeah, these cookie cutter houses that have just these old school, like, you know, I had to duck to get down the stairs. Like, I can't believe you got that thing down here yeah. now that you say that. Uh, yeah. It's never leaving. No, you know? it's here forever. <laughs> it comes it with is, the house. Yeah. Uh, if Whether I decide to rent this house when I build the new one or sell this house, that safe will stay. <laughs> safe stay. <laughs> yeah. And if the sale is contingent on that safe leaving, we're, we're not closing. <laughs> well, this is Wyoming. Most people expect a safe to come with the house. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it like, should be fine. It might be a good bartering point. Like, well. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So. Well, I think we're going to go try to kill some birds, huh? Yeah. Are we over you know, an hour Derek, now? <laughs> Derek's not just the mule deer guy that I look up to, but um, birds, uh, you know, has been the one the one guy that's kind of taken me out just a few times even, but that's more than, you know. And uh, he's got some incredible, well, he's got one incredible dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one wannabe incredible, uh, poor Duke. <laughs> yeah. So I was blessed with Bo. So what i don't know that i actually love bird hunting but i love working dogs yeah and shooting birds it's like well yeah i mean it's a lot of work for four ounces of meat you know <laughs> yeah. but speaking uh, of me hunting <laughs> yeah you know but watching them dogs work and Bo is incredible ever since he was a puppy i mean at at eight weeks old he was walking around pointing butterflies <laughs> and then at 12 weeks is when he found his first pheasant and he was locked up out in the field. And I'm like, what is he doing? And there's a rooster like 10 yards in front of him, you know, and he's just locked up pretty as can be. Yeah. And he's just always been like that. He was just naturally there. And um, now there's definitely been a few times where I I wanted to do mean things to him. Mm. But, <laughs> but I kept my composure. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was blessed to have that dog as like my first setter. And, um, and then I get Duke. And let's just say that Duke probably is not the brightest. <laughs> he uh, gray on short. He's a four. He's a forty watt bull, <laughs> and all the others are hunters. <laughs> oh, poor Duke! But he's, he's a good looking dog. He's very good he's looking. A- He's got kind of that blonde wavy hair, kind of reminds you of the high school jock that, yeah. you know, isn't super smart, but is yeah. very looks good. Oh, and I mean, like, <laughs> like you watch him work and I mean, he, his tail set, like he's, he's honestly, I mean, he's one of the beautiful, or one of the prettiest dogs or most beautiful dogs you'll see working in the field. And he covers country great, but yeah, he's finally starting to pick it up. Like, uh, he had four, he found four coveys a couple weeks ago last time i was home uh all on his own which was his first being all on his own and retrieved um four or five birds to hand so he's he's starting to pick it up but he well yeah it's funny like you mentioned the the love of just working the dogs and stuff and uh you know i've done chief a disservice because we've hunted very very little i've taken him out a handful of times and the big problem with that is I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I just sneak into your spots after you've taken me there. Yeah. I still don't manage to find any birds, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) we did that once (laughs) anyway. Um, I ran into a guy the other day. I, I had him up in Billings and, uh, 
I just like, you know, I'm going to take him into shields because he's just, he's been, he'd been in the coop, in the kennel all day. So I took him in there and, um, this guy comes, Oh, you know, this dog and he'd been looking for a drothar and, um, do you honey much? And I just looked at him. I'm like, honestly, I, I haven't like, like it, it, and it's, it's not something I'm proud of. I'm trying to honey more here. That's why I'm here today, you know, to talk to you and to taking me out. But, um, I said, really like that process of training him going through all those those trials and stuff was just addicting though mm -hmm. like that you know having a structured thing that you're working for and then going and doing it and watching those other dogs work and watching him watching him do things that we had never worked on like we had never practiced that yeah. and he just in the middle of the test he just goes out and grabs this rabbit 100 yards away and comes flying over the hill with it and i'm just like I didn't, who taught you that? I didn't yeah. teach, you know, and anyway, it is, it's incredible just watching the dogs. And I'll tell you what, the first, um, you know, this is wide open country out here and, and specifically with chuckers. I mean, they, they are flighty. Oh yeah. I feel like, right. Yep. And so you took me out the first time I'll, I'll brag on Bo. You took me out and he, um, you know, we were just going from one spot to another. So you dumped him and he's, he, he locks up. And it's like the, it was like hunting on the moon. Yeah. Right. And, but there was just one little patch of sagebrush. It was like 20 or 30 yards from him. And I'm like, oh, they must be right in that sagebrush. Right. And that seems simple enough. Mm -hmm. Well, back off the sagebrush 10 yards. It, remember it dropped into that ravine and yep. went down, you know, a hundred yards clear to the bottom. And so we're 150 yards probably from the bottom of that ravine. But I didn't think anything of that. I'm just thinking, Oh, they're right here in this stage. And I'm like locked, cocked and ready to rock. Right. Thinking these birds are going to blow up in front of us. And Bo's just, and then he does his little, you know, his stalking thing where yeah. he's like four inches off the ground and he's, and he's locked up and you're like, all right, let's go. They're probably, you know, and we're like on top of the sagebrush and I'm like, there's no birds here, man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, as we crest that Ridge where you could see down in that ravine, like oh that whole covey blows up yeah. like another 75 yards down there or something yeah and i'm like are those the birds that he was pointing from 150 <laughs> out i'm like what is this yeah uh he's he's incredible yeah like, just he's one of my favorite dogs to go watch hunt but. yeah he is he's starting to slow down and it's almost a good thing that he's slowing <laughs> down because he's He's uh more thorough. Yeah. Um how old is he now? He's five now. Oh yeah. Just so, hitting maturity of like, yep. yeah. Yeah. But like I said earlier, you know, before we started recording earlier this year, he slipped on the ice and pulled something in his back. So I was having to feed him full of muscle relaxers so he could <laughs> still run and then I was limiting his exposure, you know, because he get he'd get flat out mad if I'd leave him in the dog box and Duke would be out and you could hear him. From half a mile away just tearing up the inside of the dog <laughs> box because he's mad that he got left behind <laughs> and in there barking and growling and everything else you know and so yeah it's like man i can't i can't run you all day you know you're you'll hurt yourself yeah. but he just don't understand that and then earlier we had that that real crusty snow and it just tore their feet up i mean all four pads were just blood yeah. It was bad, you know, and then they'd come home and limp around the house, you know, and it's like, can't keep doing that to them. So yeah. it was almost blessing that I ended up working three weeks at last hitch. So they had time to recover. But cause when I'm home on this, on the two weeks, we hunt every day. Yeah. But yeah, you get out more than anyone I know. Um, 
Yeah, so maybe maybe Chief will, we don't even have to shoot a bird over him. Hopefully he just gets a freaking, you know, he's he's pointed birds obviously in training and in the in his little trials and tests he's done, but yeah, nothing not the real deal, but yeah, he uh I the the thing that I've learned and the dogs have taught me is you can teach them obedience, you cannot train a dog to hunt. That's instinct. Yeah. And they're going to teach you how they want to do it. Like you you might be able to show them the manner in which you want it done, but that's it. You're not going to teach them anything else. So, like, Chief's just instinct, uh, instinctively that good. Yeah. You he, know? He didn't score overly the to- over the top well. You know, and I've told the breeder, we've talked a lot, and I'm like, listen, Anthony, any point that that dog was awarded was 100% on him because, like, I, you know, I didn't half even know what I was doing. But, yeah, he's just he's just – you know, and he's he's not what I don't think he is. I don't think he's a he's never going to range well enough um, yeah. to pick up these coveys out in the wide open like like your dogs do. Yeah. I don't think he's really in my limited experience. He seems to be more of a like a pheasant dog, right? He right. works close to medium range. You've seen him mm-hmm. um, a couple times, and um, you know that seems to be his sweet spot. He just doesn't cover the country like Bo and Duke yeah. probably does, but yeah. Yeah, um, my dogs typically will be between four and four hundred and a mile for yeah. me. You know, like yeah, I mean, he, I almost felt like we lost him the first time we went out. I'm like, oh, Bo's gone, and he's like, no, no, he's way over on that point. He's just working his way back. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, can he? Where's the binos? Can't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, but, that's how it is a lot of time with with him. You know, it's like I don't, I don't know how they run dogs before there was a gps well i mean i i do they kept them a lot closer but yeah i i've i've trained my dogs on the collar so it's like if if they go on point and they're and they hold point for you know 20 seconds and they're more than me getting to them within a couple minutes i will i tone them and every time i say good boy i hit the tone button on them so they know tone is good boy and i and i've acknowledged them right and so it doesn't matter if they're a mile away if I hit that tone button, they know I'm coming. And I think that's like a re- reassurance to them to hold point. Cause I mean, I, I've honestly, Bo went, went on point across the Canyon and I'm looking at this Canyon <laughs> going, it's easier for me to walk back to the truck, go around <laughs> and come up on the other side of this Canyon to get to him. And I mean, I left him there for like 20 minutes <laughs> and I don't know like how much, you've been around point dogs, but when they go on point, it, it's like, it releases a, a, I don't know, a hormone or whatever in their brain. And it's like cocaine for them, you know, like they get so jacked up on adrenaline and everything and taking time bomb. So 20 minutes and she's over there on point <laughs> and, uh, then birds were right there in front of him. Cause when I get over there, there there's tracks, you know, and he gets there and then all of a sudden he totally changes direction and runs and he's running with the wind at his back. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I'm like, there's no way he can smell him. And he runs up over the point, wind's still at his back, and he goes on point again. And I'm like, what is this dog doing, you know? Well, as I'm walking over there, I see all these chucker tracks. Well, he run into the middle of them, and they walked around him and went downwind just away. away. And uh, so he just was watching them the whole time waiting for me to get there. <laughs> So we hunted that covey just off of his 
him seeing him where they went and then following him over there, not even using his nose. Yeah. Like that's the caliber of dog he is. You yeah. know, it's like he's he's intelligent and it's it's fun to hunt over him. Yeah. But well hopefully Chief can pick something up. <clears throat> yeah. Uh yeah. real quick, let's end where we started because if we don't get if I don't get one or two tips from you out of these uh, for mule deer um there seriously though it's an art the way what what i want you to 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 answer here is like specifically in these these like you you mentioned earlier there's guys all over there was trucks highly roaded not typical like backcountry mountain like what's like the one or two things and, and you already mentioned one i guess i'll i'll rewind to like the the patience in glassing but like what's what's one or two more things that guys just don't they miss when they're hunting this type of country or they just drive by it thinking, no, like what is the one or two things that they need to like really remember? So that's what I'm always going to say is persistence. Persistence and patience kills more big deer than anything. Cause when, when I hear, yeah, he was there, but he's gone now. No, he's still there. You just can't find him. Like, let me know where you're at and I'll come find him for you, you know? Yeah. Like I did it in Montana, that big inline buck I killed in Montana a few years ago. Do you remember that buck? He's mm. super long main beams wrapped way around, super tight, had that 11 inch inline. I mean, he's a gorgeous buck and everybody in that area knew about him and he was on a hunter management area and it was a smaller hunter management area and they kept telling me about him. And so I just went there every day and it, it was like four miles to walk around the perimeter of it. But the first time I walked around the perimeter of it, I could see down in these draws. Well, you can't see these draws from anywhere else. So I'd get to the top and I'd get to my little glass knob and I would just sit there until dark all day in the afternoon because I'd have to work. I was up there working. And so I'd go to work in the morning and then I'd come back out in the afternoon and I'd just sit there all day. Well, I ended up killing him at like five yards. He he ducked. So where I was, where I was sitting on this little coulee, there was like a there's like a little coulee and a sandstone ledge, and I was sitting so the wind was kind of going over the top of me. It was horrible setup because the only way I could sit the wind was always at my back, and I'm like, well, they're gonna come further. They're gonna be so far down there, it ain't gonna matter, you know. Looking down in there, and um, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I watch this doe, like I'm glassing with my binos, and I just see this doe run under my barrel, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like whoa just deep forks and an inline and he literally ducked his head under my barrel that was hanging out over the my gosh over the coulee and i mean i could have grabbed his antler that's how close it was and um i just i grabbed my gun i i run one in it and i just rolled over on my back and shot him <laughs> like me to you <laughs> like it was that close huh. and uh i mean on five power because that's low as my scope would go it literally was just gray. I don't, <laughs> I didn't know where I hit him or anything, you know, like, like it, there's hair, you know, like, but, um, so persistence. And when I say persistence, I mean, go to the same spot glass. And when you think that it's time to go glass 30 minutes longer. So sometimes I feel though, like I'm, like, okay, I can be persistent, but I haven't had any reason to think there's deer here. So like, like the one step before that of like why you're in the area and why you decide to be persistent in that spot, obviously okay. that deer, someone, someone told you that it right. was there or whatever, but like, 
like go go one step back of like okay this is the spot that i'm choosing to be persistent at okay so the first thing i look at is how much pressure has been in that area so say you're hunting an area like where we hunt there's you don't need to be a backcountry hunter to hunt this stuff because there's roads everywhere everywhere and i mean you can walk all day long if if you want but why would you walk when you can do it with your eyes from a high point right so i think the main thing is like actually getting out there and looking at sign like big deer have big tracks if you can read a track you know that that's a big buck and that's where it goes back to like me always being out like i might not a actually saw the buck but i saw his track and that buck's there so i want to get eyes on him and and i'll go hunt like birds in random spots that there's probably not going to be any birds but i'm looking for sign mm. you know and our bird season opens September 15th, but you know as well as I do, I'm out there all summer anyway. So if I was going to a new area and hadn't hunted there, first thing I'm going to go do is I'm going to play it off like I'm just, I don't know anything about it. I'm going to go to the sports store. I'm going to talk to guys and, you know, be chatty. And they're, they'll always tell you popular spots, right? And one thing that I've always asked him is like, where's a good spot? Like, I don't care if I find a big buck and I don't see if I see a lot of deer, but a spot that like I can get away from people and look at. And they're always like, well, you might go check this spot, you know? And that's led me to some of my best deer. Kind of the, the local forgotten, like, no, there's the assumptive, like, well, there's never yeah. any deer in that yeah. canyon or, yeah. Yeah. Go check Salt Creek, you know, like, hmm, Salt Creek. I wonder why it's called Salt Creek. It's got yeah. a lot of minerals in it, <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> Might as well name it Big Buck Draw. <laughs> right, exactly, you know. Like, Salt Lick Mountain, okay, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that was just the cattle farmers from years ago. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's things like that, you know, and and uh, so – being persistent, use your glass. Buy buy the best glass you can afford. Um and then use it, you know. Pulling up on a hill and just panning and driving off is not glassing. Yeah. That is that is scanning and not being thorough. If mm. if I pull up on a spot just out of the truck window to glass you're probably going to want to put your coat on because it's going to get cold in the truck, you know, because we're going to sit there for 45 minutes to an hour before we go 200 yards down and sit at the next one in the middle of the day. Like, there's days on these November hunts where it's so cold, like, I'm not going to go sit outside the truck. I'm just going to pull up on the, in the truck, glass out the window. But even glassing out the window, you're going to sit there for 30 minutes, 45 yeah. minutes, and you're going to pick apart everything you can see before you move 200 yards. And it works. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I can't remember if we were actually deer hunting or what what we were doing. Um, yeah, we or was it bear hunting? Jeez, I can't remember, Derek. Anyway, I I have to apologize because the first like time or two I went out with you, I was like, <laughs> "This is it." Yeah, like this is the place, or this is you know, like I've heard, like I've seen Derek kill big bucks or whatever. We were after bears or something. I think it was bears. I think it was bears, and I'm like, "This is it," and shame on me, because like <laughs> you know, here I am, four or five years later, can't kill a bear, 
anyway, and the principle still rings true. So um, you're one of the best that I've seen do it, and and you do it very uniquely. Um, but it's like you've you you know you practice what you preach, and you you've got it figured out. So hopefully, people caught a couple of those key like yeah, you know, not just you know oh work hard, but like work smart, man. Like don't yeah. just do stuff for no reason. And that's you know that's almost where I'm at with this type of hunting is. You know, I don't know. It's even different up here. I can go back home to the desert and I know how to attack that, mm-hmm. like water and, you know, but up here it's like desert, but there's a lot of water, but there's, you know, and it's just a little different. And I, I just get in that mode, like you're saying of, I'm, I'm just kind of recklessly being, you know, trying to, you know, I'm not thinking it through one level deeper of like, okay, but why, yeah. why right here? Yeah. And I just have got to, I've got to focus in on that, but yeah. And you know, like our seasons and my tactics change with the season, right? So the November hunts, I don't, I don't hunt those the same as the September hunts, because now I'm not necessarily looking for big buck country. I'm looking for doe country. Uh, earlier on in September and even October, I'm looking for big buck country. I'm hunting the high country, you know, and it's like those deer aren't leaving that high country until they, they have to have to. And then once they do, they're gone. And that, that buck I killed a few years ago with the kickers, he was seven miles in the summer and September from where I actually killed him. Mm. And I got, I got lucky. I mean, just happened to be at the right spot at the right time. And when he run out, I was like, I was actually talking to the biologist when he, when he run out, some other hunters pushed him out of a draw and he run out and both of us are like, is that, is that that buck? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> and he was, he was actually, he was on a day off and he was hunting too. And they just got done actually walking through that Canyon. And I said, are you going after him or am I? And he goes, <laughs> well, you spotted him. And he goes, honestly, we're done. We're tired, you know, go after him. And so I went up and started tracking him. And that's the other thing, like tracking is key. Learning how to track deer. If, if you can spend some time just going out in the hills in the summertime and, and just, just to get out, but pick a track and follow it and just watch what they do. And you'll learn a lot. You know, like, did you hear the story from when I was up here, November, early November? Um, and that buck, I, we kicked in the snow and I tracked him. Did you listen to that one yet? I, I, was, with, I was with Brian from work. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, get people can go back if they haven't just listen to that. But yeah, I mean, we kicked him up at first. I didn't even hundred percent think it was a deer I wanted to shoot and it still wasn't by the end, but just what we, it was an old, it was a mature deer just mm-hmm. really like, you know, he, he's, you know, probably, f- I don't know, five, six year old deer, just genetically a mess. Right. Just yeah. Little dinky little three. I'll show you a picture, but Anyway, just like what you're saying, right, is 98% of people, usually me, kick him up, nah, not a buck him after, or didn't get a good look at him. He's gone. We'll never see him again. And we would have just kept hiking out left. And I'm like, you know what, Brian? I'm like, I'm going to go track that sucker. I'm just going to see what he does here. Mm-hmm. You know, and do, 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 bounds, bounds, bounds. And then a short, uh, just, just like clockwork, you know, he ends up making that, oh, you can just feel him making that 90 and then all of a sudden he's making another 90 and I'm, I'm like about then I stop and I'm like Brian you know and I started mapping out I'm like watch this is if you want 
you know, and anyway, just mm-hmm. really good point, right? Of like, you know, being willing to, yeah, put your eyes on the ground, you know, to not necessarily always to kill them, but just to, to learn their playbook. Yep. And that's that deer. So I bumped him. I had him at, I think, 78 yards in archery season. And he was bedded with another buck, a really big three point that my buddy actually ended up shooting him in rifle season, the three point, the three by four, I guess. Like 29 inside, like a giant three by four. I'd have shot either one of them, to be honest. Um, whichever one gave me the opportunity first because they're both just big old mature bucks. And um, anyway, so they're bedded and my leg fell asleep and I went to stretch it and I hit one of them rattle bushes. And I mean, as soon as I hit it, I come to full draw <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't jump up and look, they jumped up and ran and there was a fresh blanket of snow on the ground. And so I started tracking him just to see, you know, like where they're going to go. If I would have just moved over 200 yards and sat back down, they would have ran right to ran me. Ran right to you. And I'm like, huh. So when, when I started tracking him that day that we saw him leaving the trailhead uh, that the other people did, I, I watched him and then same thing. I watched that first 90 and then another, and I'm like, I know where you're going. And I told I told Fritz and uh, and my buddy Jamie, I'm like, let's back out of here and go down below and just cross this hillside. And the fog was moving across that hillside. And I'm like, there's a big patch of quakies and there's a band of rocks right at the end of it. And he's he's going to be right there, I'll bet. I'll put money on it. So we're glassing and, and the biologist, he went he went down and he was sitting down below about half a mile glassing back up there too. And I just, I'm sitting there glassing and there's like a clear spot. And I was telling him, I said, that band of rocks, have you looked at it yet? And he's like, yeah, we looked at it and I'm panning through this, this bank, this cloud bank and there's one hole in it. And I get to the end of the Aspen trees and I say, he's laying in the rocks. And they're like, no, he's not. And I said, no, he is. He's laying in the rocks. You can just see his antler tip sticking out of the sagebrush. And I put my spot and scope on him and then the fog rolls back and you can't see him. And we sat there and it's kind of snowing off and on and for probably an hour waiting for it to clear up just enough to see it. And in that hour, he'd got up, turned around and laid back down. Then you could see his face and his antler sticking out. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like we sat here the whole time you guys went and tracked him and he's been there the the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's like. I knew he was going to loop on us and he literally only went 300 yards from where he come out of that draw, but he went clear up over the top of a mountain back down. And, um, yeah, the old J hook. Yeah. And he's just sitting there and I, I'm like, well, let's go kill him, you know? And so I jumped across the highway and I went up and I got, I got up parallel with him, you know, and I couldn't see him. So I was like, I got to get back down. And then I got to where I could, see him and there was elk hunters over here and there's more deer hunters over here there's a herd of elk over here they started shooting and um so that's what i told you about shooting the rock above him right to get him to stand up (laughs) how far it's like 397 you know and so i dial in and there's a there's a rock right above him and there's a black spot on it and i told jamie i said Keep your eye on that deer. Tell me where he goes. And I shoot 
and I just rack one back in. And I'm back on target. I can't see him. Jamie, where'd he go? I don't know, dude. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> you know, he's like, and I'm like, now I'm like frantically looking and I can just see the tips of his antlers now. He laid his head he laid flat his head down. on the ground. Anyway, so I'm Gosh, like, it. okay. So I shot the rock again. Nothing. I shot the rock again. I reload. And then I shot and I must have broke a chunk off and it hit him. And he jumps up and he looks at the rock <laughs> and I just freaking pound him. Right. And he flops back down. Jamie and I are high-fiving and everything, and I look back up there, and he's standing there. And I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) I think I got one bullet left, you know? (laughs) And he walks off, and he's he walks behind this tree, and he's headed, he's headed back. And so I range the I range the the little draw on which he's gonna have to cross. And just in that amount of time, I get back on the gun, and there's a deer standing in that in that uh, little meadow. And I mean, I can see his butt and I can see like the back tines and that's it. And I'm like, that's him. And I shoot and he drops and he's dead, dead, you know? And Jamie's like, he got him. And I'm like, I hope so. Cause I don't know. Like it looked like him, but <laughs> I don't know. And uh, we get up there and we cross that first bench and all these does go blowing out. And I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> no way. And then I took two more steps and I could see that big kicker sticking out of the sagebrush. I'm like, okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, but I mean, it's just, you know, tracking is key. A lot of times, like that buck I shot this year, we tracked him in there. And I knew just by the way they were moving that they were looking for a bed. Yep. And and I think if if I wouldn't have known that, we might have bumped them to and would have never got a shot. You know, and so watching animal behavior and, and knowing what they're doing is a big yep. part of it too. Um it's it's a game. It is. You gotta play chess yep. with them. Um but picking apart things. Another thing that I like to do is I never glass. I never glass in a um, vertically, right? I always glass horizontally. Because if you watch animals move naturally without being scared, typically they move at a slight, like, quarter angle type, right? So you're more likely to mo- catch them if you're glassing that way, I've found. Yeah, your I chances of crossing them if you're going vertical. Yep. And I don't know if that's something you do or not. Just just by default I do. I don't know why. I I I don't think I ever go vertical unless unless it's like um a shoot, like a like an mm-hmm. avalanche shoot yeah. where it's there's no other place they're going to no other place I'm going to see them. Right. Right, but if it's just like a scattered hillside, they could be here there everywhere. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Pan tilt head and I'm Yep going you know kind of going in layers and doing that whole deal yeah so i've i've watched a lot of guys you know like especially because all like i said i always sit at the top or at the bottom right depending on the topography of the the land and everything and and the draws will play a big part in that but if i'll watch them and they'll be they'll be running each draw out you know running it out and it's like man you just glassed over two bedded does and and like I got a buddy that's really bad about this and and he's he's good at glassing and I'm like, okay, 
go from this point to that point, and I won't tell him there's a deer there. He's like, oh, I got one. I'm like, exactly, man. Like, you're looking at it. You're going against the grain, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, might help somebody. Yep. It'll all help somebody if they're listening, paying attention. So, but appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Let's go kill some birds. Yeah, we got dogs whimpering. They're, oh, man. They've about had it. Yeah, they're going to be feisty. Yeah, let's go do it. <laughs> all right, sounds okay. good. Okay, thanks, buddy. Yep. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.